Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat if you would. Before we get started this morning, I want to I take a second to um, let you guys know about something that's happening right now and uh, voice a prayer. Uh, uh, for those of you who have been with us for a while or maybe even from the beginning, you know that we were kind of birthed by Summit Community Church in O'Fallon, uh, Missouri. I interned there for uh, about a year and a half, and some of you may or may not know, but they, uh, they just moved into a building and, and having their first service actually concludes maybe in about three or four minutes uh, in their own building, which is a, a really big thing to celebrate, a really big thing to celebrate because of the kingdom, really big way to thing to celebrate because of, of their influence on who we are and, and how they've, they've birthed us and invested in us. And at our anniversary a few months ago, John, their pastor, came and spoke to us. Um, so if, if you would, would you just indulge me in, in a prayer of thanksgiving for, for them and for what God has provided for them? Uh, God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for uh, John and Summit and their people and how you've provided for them Father and Lord, what a beautiful example of uh, ascending kingdom-minded church that you've given us, uh, that has birthed us, Father. Um, Lord, I, I pray a, a prayer of thanksgiving to you. I'm so grateful uh, for the provision that you've given to John and the folks at Summit, God. And I pray as they conclude their first service in their brand new building, God, that you would... Uh, just give them a moment to, to recognize you as the giver of good and perfect gifts, God. And that you would use them and the, the tool that is their building uh, to further your kingdom, God. And to remind all of us that you, you are in complete control. You have this world in your hands and we trust you fully with all that we are. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> If you have your Bible, uh, open it to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Uh, we're skipping a bit towards the end of, of the book. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, there's some on that uh, little table right there. Uh, we are, uh, pardon the, the, the wonderful smells that ruminate from the kitchen and pardon the, the smallness of that table. Usually it's, it's on a higher table, but because of what's happening in this room afterwards, um, it's on that small table. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, or if you don't have an ESV Bible and you'd like one, feel free to, to take one. There's some over there on, on, that, uh, on that table that are our gift to you. If you have that Bible, where we are today is page 360. Uh, and it is the kind of the conclusion, not kind of, it is the conclusion of our series on Ecclesiastes. And we have seen so far, we've seen Solomon redefining wisdom and in so doing, how we define wisdom, how we define success, what we value, and all those things have to change when we engage God for, for who he is. And, and what he's, he's kind of taught us about what wisdom is, is this, that wisdom is not simply making right choices or being, being faced with a decision and there's a right choice and a wrong choice and there's a wise choice and a foolish choice. And wisdom isn't just simply that. The beginning of wisdom, and Solomon writes about it all throughout Proverbs, and, and in this book, the beginning of wisdom is, is to fear the Lord. And uh, pardon my redundancy, but I've said almost every sermon throughout this 12-week study is that 
Fear of the Lord really is, is a proper understanding of our position. Properly relating to him, properly understanding how we relate to him, and properly understanding how he relates to us. And the response to that is to press in to who he is, to understand who he is, to, to study his word, to, to play, have proper respect for him, and to move our lives in line with obedience with, to who he is. And so, so that's wisdom, and in flowing out of that are proper, wise choices. Uh, and we, we've seen that. And if we properly understand wisdom, it changes what we value. It changes what we, we shape our lives around. Uh, Solomon is, is systematically gone through pleasure, sex, money, power, authority, all of those things he is he is. He has held nothing back from himself. Anything that his eye desired, he, he gained for himself. He, he made it his own. He made great vineyards and, and planted great farms, and, and he did great, built great buildings and had more than 300 concubines and all of these things. Whatever he wanted, he got for himself. And if you've been paying attention, he's used the word vanity or meaningless over and over and over and over again. It appears in every chapter in the book. So as we pursue wisdom, the things that this life affords, the thing that, that our flesh tells us that we want, that we desire, that we value, begins to, we begin to understand that it is meaningless. So that's kind of the, the heart of, of the first 11 chapters. And so we'll, we'll get to chapter 12 now. So if you, if you have it, turn there. Uh, this was a very long sentence. Verses 1 through 7 really are one long sentence, and it's a lot of words, but it starts with the first words that are here. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. That's sort of the, the basis for the sentence and, and for the rest of the chapter. Remember also your creator in the days of your earth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, there is, enjoy what you have now, enjoy your creator, enjoy the gifts that he has given to you, because the day that you live in is evil. Where you live, how you live, the place that you live in, what's inside of you, what's inside of people around you, you have sin in you, they have sin in, you, in them, and we rub up against each other and scrape up against each other and cause issue, and there's just evil in the world. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near, which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. This is, I've said this also many times. It's just dark language that Solomon uses. And this morning, these first seven verses are, are filled, filled with darkness. Before the clouds go away and the sun and the moon and the stars, before all that stuff goes away and, and this world is just filled with darkness, evil is coming, evil is pressing in. The sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Do you see the, just the hardship and the difficulty that's there? Verse 3, in the day... When the keepers of the house tremble, 
brings four, four different people here. First is the keepers of the house. They tremble. They're afraid of what's coming. They, they have seen the fear, and they know what's coming. He's talking proverbially here. Imagine a house on a dark night, and it is being descended upon by evil, by men who, who look to do harm to those who are in the house. This is the picture that he painted in verse 2. Before the sun, the light, and the moon, and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day, the keepers of the house tremble. Those who are assigned to protect the house are scared of what's happening. Darkness, see it, feel it. And the strong men are bent. The strong men are bent. This is a a difficult evil that Solomon is walking us through. And the grinders cease because they are few. These grinders are, are people who took the wheat and the grains and they ground them to make food with. And the grinders here in this day of evil that's upon them have just said, you ever, you ever been there where you're just so tired of laboring or just see such, such darkness or such difficulty or like you can't find the light at the end, you just ah, forget it. And your shoulders slump and you say, I'm not, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of fighting, tired of laboring, tired of striving. This is the third of these people, the grinders. They have just said, there's too few of us. I give up. I don't know if you're like me, man. When, when darkness presses in, that's, that's where I, I find myself. I, I give up. Darkness is pressed in on this household. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, the fourth side of people. They're looking out the window, looking into the future, looking, in, looking for direction, for purpose, for where they're going, and they have been dimmed. Darkness has overcome them. Verse 4, another comma, the same sentence, explaining why it's important to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Verse 4. And the doors on the street are shut, and the sign, sound of the grinding is low. The, that, this, he's kind of taking the metaphor of the grinding, the working for food, as the, the vision, the purpose, the direction of, of who they are and what they're, what they're there for, this, this grinding. And so there's, there's not much purpose happening here. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird, there's hope. When you hear the, when you hear the sound of hope, it sparks your mind. It, it sparks, there may be, in fact, some brightness in this world. And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. Terrors are in the way. He's again painting a really dark picture. And the almond tree blossom and the grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails. Man, that's a... Studying that phrase this week is just... 
discouraging. That's one of the results for studying through Ecclesiastes these 12 weeks. has been one of the results of just, I just feel discouraged a lot. I read phrases like that. Desire fails. Remember the desire, remember your creator in the days of your youth because the days are evil and they're evil and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Do you, this is something I kind of realized this week. Look around you. Everything that you have ever laid eyes on will be dust. My kids have a Christmas list. They have gifts sitting under our tree in our living room right now. In a hundred years, those things will not exist anymore. They will be decomposing in a landfill. Yet we labor and strive for them. We teach our kids to labor and strive for them. We teach ourselves that. Look at what it has to say here. Verse 6. Before the silver cord is snapped, all these things that happen here are really important things that people labor and strive for in this day of Solomon. Before the silver cord is snapped and made useless, and the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern. This week, um, we got word from the insurance company from our, the house, the tornado thing that happened. Uh, we could take our com- computers to Best Buy and get all the pictures, all the software, all the stuff taken off of them and, and put onto a disc. So we're, Jen and I are there over lunch one day. And like we're mess- talking with the Geek Squad and they're, you know, let me go check and whatever. And so it's, it's a, like we're there for like an hour and a half. And every five minutes or so, I'm in Best Buy, right? Every five minutes or so, I'm like, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, man. There's like... Like, like this whole wing of Mac stuff over here. Man, if I could, that would be great. And so I know that the Geek Squad guy is going to come back and talk to Jen. And Jen doesn't really know the questions to ask. And she's really nervous about having to deal with computer guys, whatever. And so I don't want to get too far away. But I'm distracted by what I want, by, by these things. And then spend five minutes at the, at the Mac thing. But I'm, I'm not, not really engaged in it because I'm worried. And I, I don't want to whatever. So I run back and... Then there's like the movie section. I sit and look through all the movies. Man, this is great. Man, oh wow, this is the Blu-ray. I need to go look at the Blu-ray players. I don't have a Blu-ray player. And I look at those things. And, and it, like three hours after this, I'm distracted by all of the stuff at Best Buy. I read, before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Here's a fact. One of, all of us will die. Yet we labor and strive and value things that will become dust. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And here is where he concludes. This is Solomon's done, and a narrator takes over. 
verse 9. Besides being wise, this is a narrator talking about, okay, you just heard all this stuff. Besides being wise, the preacher, Solomon, also taught people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. He has taken great care in arranging these things to get us to the point where we would see that only God has value. Only God brings meaning to our lives. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Verse 11, the words of the wise, in other words, what you've just been subjected to for these last 12 weeks, what we've been subjected to, these words of wise are like goads, prongs pushing us into a direction. Like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. In this world of darkness and difficulty, we have a guide. We have a shepherd. Is your, is your version that word shepherd capitalized? They're given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beside, beyond these. Look at me. In this season of Christmas where we are onslaught, marketed to, to want, beware of anything that is not eternal. Beware. It's trying to rob you of your purpose, of your meaning. Listen to me. Listen to the darkness of Solomon who left nothing he took every, anything that he wanted was his, and he saw vanity, meaningless, useless. Beware. Of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and of much study there is weariness in the flesh. I want to pause just for a second, and uh, Ben and Amanda, come up here if you guys would. Um, this is, the rest of the message this morning is sort of Ecclesiastes applied. These stools are for you guys. Um, and I, I want to, we've chatted a little bit this week about this, and I want to just kind of, Dave mentioned it in our, uh, in the call to worship. But here's, if Ecclesiastes is, is all that it is, is us pressing in, to who God is and, and trying to understand wisdom and rightly relating to God and rightly how God relating to us and, and transforming our lives around his purpose and his will and engaging this world and seeing it as meaningless and then having a change happen inside of us. I think it, it does us great value to engage how God has been engaging to people in our midst. And uh, I know there's a lot of transformation that's going on in the hearts and lives of the people in our church, but these two in particular, I've... Uh, I've gotten a chance to connect with, and I've seen it. So I want to just kind of throw it out there, and this is just be, you know, never mind people. There's people listening to you. Um, just us having a, a conversation. Um, it's really crazy because I'm, I'm looking at your tattoo on your arm, man, which is uh, beautiful. Well, I'll tell you that story later. Uh, so tell, tell us about... How God is, is currently transforming you. So what I've really felt lately is that um, I think God sh- 
showed me that I'm a very prideful person. Um, so I think that I can do things on my own. I can, I, I'm smart, I can make decisions, I can figure it out, I'll succeed. Um, which is part of this tattoo. So Hupatasso, it's placing things in order. It's placing things in proper order. So I feel like God's saying, include me in your life. Ask me for help. Ask me to break you down and change your heart. Because if, if God's not involved with changing me, I'm going to fail all the time. Amanda? Can you repeat the question? <coughs> how, how have you seen God transforming you currently or in the last year to 20 years? That's a big question. <laughs> that is a huge question. Um, so we'll start with currently, I guess. Um, well, so right now I've been kind of under a, um, a struggle of dreams, I guess, that have been kind of haunting me from my past life and up until now, I guess. And um, right now what God's teaching me is just to, that those dreams don't matter, like the the sin of it, whatever that sin looks like in anyone's life, um, be it alcoholism or, like, going after men or sex or whatever it is, um, like, it doesn't matter. As if, you, if you keep your focus and if I keep my focus on just having these dreams and, like, God, I don't want these, like, take them away from me. Like, if I keep my focus on that, like, I'm, I'm missing it. And I think that that's really what God has been telling me um, lately. <clears throat> There's a, a verse that struck me. Um, like I've heard it many times and it's just like a song that you've heard many times but you've never really listened to the words until you're in that place and you need it to make sense to you um, and the spirit kind of opened your eyes like the Colossians 3 bleh, 10 maybe just the the old man is gone the new man is here um, and you're being renewed in knowledge of the spirit and like of your creator and you're gonna be like him um and I think that has really helped me know that this is a process and I can't just solve my problems today, even though I want to, and I want this to just be done. Um, it's, it's just really teaching me that like every day I need to strive to be more like my creator and to look like him. And uh, I mean, eventually that's what this is. Like we're, we are going to be like him when we meet him. Yeah. Um, one of the themes through Ecclesiastes that we found and, and even a verse uh, somewhere in the middle, I think chapter 5, uh, better is the day of death than the day of birth. And the theme, the idea behind that verse is when God is more real to us and we understand how we relate to him and how he relates to us and we press into him in a, in a deeper, more profound, more life-changing way in the times of darkness and in, in the times of, of spiritual death and when we see the decay and death inside of us, or the decaying death around us. Better is that day than in the day of, of birth for wisdom to take root in our lives. Um, how have, feel free to get as superficial or, or as specific as you want about darkness in your past that's resulted in wisdom, this proper understanding, this, this fear of the Lord. Tell us ab about Tell us about that. Talk about that, if you would. We'll take turns. All right, so for me, um, we've been going through this marriage study, this fall marriage study. So the avenue that I guess God chose to break me down through the darkness he used was, was my marriage with Stephanie and failure in marriage. Um, 
and not being a good husband, not submitting to her. So, oh, I got wisdom. You're good, man. <laughs> One second. <clears throat> Check. <laughs> uh, so he he took that he took that and used that to like show me to break me down and say. You, I'm not number one in your life. You don't submit to me. Um, you're more worried about your flesh than a lot of other things. It's beautiful. And, and it's in the midst of, of that darkness. And, I, dude, I, I love the emotion uh, because it, it's, it's real and, and it's, it's honest. Uh, in the midst of, of that engagement with your own darkness, with your sin, with your pride, with your failure as a man, as a husband, how, how did God show up? How was the day of your death better than the day of your birth? Well, I mean, the, the freedom that comes from knowing that, that if I involve God and if I ask him for help and if I make him number one, that like, it, it just lifts this weight off of yeah. me. Transformation. This is the transformation is... is this stuff is real, y'all. Come on. Seriously, it's, it's beautiful. And, and we're, this is the, the point of, of, a, of, a, of an interaction here to see the beauty of, of the truth of Ecclesiastes, the truth of God transforming a life. Um, Amanda, your turn. <laughs> um, so darkness uh, first. Um, so I grew up in, in the church until I was about 16, 17, and um, had a, a good seven, eight years away from God, away from any kind of influence that might lead me there. Um, so darkness in my life, like, um, when I think of darkness, the, my mind first goes to, <clears throat> um, and just being completely real with you guys, like, laying in bed next to someone who is not my husband and wishing that I just wasn't there. Um, so that is kind of where my mind goes. Um, and the transformation, like, so my thoughts were always revolving around how I can make this better, how I can make this work, how, um, like, how to fix something that's completely broken that has no hope at all of working so the transformation of that is that now I don't have to. Like, I don't have to fix anything. And the more that you try, it just it doesn't work as well as it could. And now I, just my thoughts are, are free from that. Uh, I want you guys to kind of end with, with this thought, this question. Uh, We've seen the transformation. You've talked about the darkness and God providing in the midst of that. Um, we're, we're in a season of, of Christmas, and my mind goes to this phrase that, that Jesus has, has entered into our situation um, from a big, grand perspective. He was in heaven, and now he enters into our world. He is engaged with the physical things of our world. Um, talk about, for a second... How God has, has entered in to your situation, to your darkness, and hope that's, that's come with that. And, and like the reality of, of, of sensed, felt hope. Uh, talk about that. I mean, 
for me, God feels more real now than he has probably ever in my life. So just, I mean, that offers great relief feeling that way. Um, and just seeing in my, like, improvement in my marriage between Stephanie and I, that it offers hope. It, it's, like, it's like you're on the right track. You're heading the right direction. So you sense hope in the beauty of, of your marriage. Sweet. Amanda? Goodness. So hope... I don't know. Like, I think it's just a, a daily thing. Um, I mean, I, I live... The way that I live brings me hope because if I am striving to love... I think love has been a big thing with my family, with uh, my friends, with my relationships, with everything that um, the hope that I have is to love more like Christ and to be more like Christ, and eventually it will be. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I mean, I live with four and a half women that I don't, I don't know what to do with them. The half and is one who's like, what, three weeks month. old, a month yeah. old? Um, and just daily... She's a full person. (laughs) (laughs) Just daily, um, laying down what I, like, I live in my house, and I want things to go my way, but there's, just laying that down, and being like, you know what, I'll, I'll watch your baby, I will pick up your clothes, I will, I'll do whatever it is, like, that's not me, I don't want to do any of that, but just the spirit is really empowering that, and from, for me to be living like this just gives me all the hope I need. Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. You can go back and sit down. Um, so, so beautiful. And the, the purpose of, of that is to see the beauty of the reality of what we're studying and, and watching and seeing happen. And we, like, our, who we are and the culture that we've been raised in, this Western civilization, like, we got to get for ourselves culture, tells us to, to run to comfort and run away from hardship. And, you know, I've gotten to know Ben pretty well in the last year, but I've I've known Amanda for since she was like in the seventh grade, and I've I've seen the coming and going and the difficulty, and and, and now for her to to be transformed, to be serving in a house of people that just aren't like her and are different from her is is the transforming power of God. And here's the thing: isn't you know there was emotion that was there. They both came to tears and and. That's, that's great, but ultimately, it's not so that you'll say, wasn't that sweet? The purpose of, of engaging, transforming power on display in a life is for us to, to press into that same thing. Uh, I heard somebody say that uh, everything that's needed for the tree is present in an acorn. Everything that's needed for the forest is present in a tree. If you've 
given your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, promised Holy Spirit of God, dwells inside of you. And as such, everything that's needed for, transform, for transformation is present in you in this moment. That ought to be a huge weight off of you. Everything that's needed for transformation in your life, to take your hands off of your flesh, to take your hands off of the things that will become dust, everything that's needed there is, is present in the Holy Spirit. And the, the beautiful illustration, in, specifically in Amanda's situation, is that God descended from heaven and entered into her heart and entered into her ugly situation and changed it. And now Amanda has, has risen from that and now is engaging a broken and dark world and taking how Christ has entered into her and entering into situations and life. If you don't know what's going on in Amanda's house, first you should read her blog and secondly you should go talk to her. There is beautiful transforming work of God happening in her life between two girls who, who are intimately following Jesus and one who's not and one who I just don't know. And the, the beautiful picture, they're living life together and God is entering into situations to bring his light and his hope. And all that's necessary for the transforming work of God is present in each of us to enter into a situation, transform it, because God has entered into us and transformed us. The last words of Ecclesiastes are these. Verse 12, 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Here it is. Solomon, the wisest guy who ever lived, who engaged everything, called everything meaningless, says this at the conclusion of his life, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Rightly relate to God. Have God rightly relate to you. Understand, fear, revere, press in, and keep his commands. Do what he tells you to do. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's pray, and I want to give you guys a chance to respond. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, as a pastor, an under-shepherd, I thank you so much for Ben and for Amanda and stories like theirs, God and the encouragement that you bring to my soul. God, I pray that your grace and your gospel and your transforming power and your Holy Spirit is on display, Father. And the evil that we sense and feel and even participate in in this world, God, God, would you 
transform us from that. God, would you enter into our darkness? Father, we love you. We give our lives to you. In Christ's perfect name, amen.